Hi, I'm Dylan. I'm Sarah. I'm Derek. And we would like to welcome you to Planet Bob, where we talk about the movies and shows that made their way to our little corner of the galaxy this week. Okay, so here we are with episode 32 of the show. One year anniversary. Almost one year anniversary for Derek being on the show. Almost. And tonight we're going to talk about three Alan Rickman movies to commemorate his passing. So sad. By Grabthar's hammer, by the sons of Warvan, you shall be avenged. Love Alan Rickman. <coughs> so sad. It's yeah, super sad. The whole school was freaking out. Especially because they were freaking out about Bowie. Yeah. And then, like, extra lots freaking out about... Alan Rickman, because all of my students are exactly the right age to have grown up on Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> true. So. But we are not covering Harry Potter in this episode. It's like so many movies. I know, it's a lot. Let's just say, like, he was awesome as Snape. Yeah. That's a lot of hours of movie watching. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> really, if you want to get into it, we're not doing uh, Die Hard either. No. Which is a pretty epic movie of his. No, I was... I don't know, maybe you can correct me, but I can't think of many movies where he's the lead. I was thinking, when I was talking to our neighbor earlier, it was, I was talking about how I can't really think of anything he, he's the lead in. He's, he's a in a lot actor. of, yeah, really good pieces with a ton of actors in them. Yeah, but he's never, like, the guy. The guy? No. As far as I can tell. As far as I remember, anyway. Yeah, I don't remember either. So we just decided to pick some fun movies. In Die Hard, he was the bad guy. Yeah. Apparently, he uh, he purposely avoided doing more roles like that because he didn't want to be typecast. Yeah. <laughs> Don't blame him. No. Yippee kayak, other buckets. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funnier if you've seen uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the Christmas episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It'll make more sense? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, one of the characters tries to recreate that phrase, but he's got a really bad memory for movies, I guess. Oh. So instead of saying yippee ki motherfuckers, he says yippee kayak other buckets. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So tonight we'll, we're talking about uh, some comedies which feature Alan Rickman. Uh, Dogma, Galaxy Quest, and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Because we thought we'd just be fun. Yeah, keep it light. Just checking for leading roles there? Yeah. None? Well, I'm sure, but he's done like a million movies I haven't seen. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, we could, we have time to fix that. <laughs> Starting now? Yeah. Or a- after the show, anyway. <laughs> At some point in the near future. Yeah. Okay, so what are we starting with? I don't know, what did you want to start with, Eric? Well, we'll do you have any preference? Dogma. Dogma first? Yeah. Sure. I think that was the earliest one. I think that was 1996. He's not actually in it that much, really. Not no, really, But no. he leaves a pretty big impression. Well, and he plays an extremely important part. If it yeah. wasn't for him, no one could communicate with God. And no one would know about any of this stuff? Yeah, no one would set the sign on her path, because nothing's happening until he shows up to tell her to, what to do. Yeah. Um, I just want to just say that Buddy Christ is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I I, th- I think he's kind of creepy, but... Yeah, just... He's, like, really stuck around. Yeah. And I know a lot of... Well, I don't know them, but there's a lot of stories on the internet about, like, old grandmas and stuff yeah. who think it's real. Like, they have house. Buddy Christ in their house. And oh, yeah, I've seen pictures of people posing with, with it in their grandma's house and stuff. Yeah? And, it, and it's not a small statue. It's, like, three feet tall. <laughs> what? No, the small ones you buy are only, like, six inches. That's the one pretty much everyone has. Oh, I saw... I've seen pretty big ones. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. 
It was like it was like the size of the one in the movie, the one that I saw. That would look good in here somewhere. Yeah. No. 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 Right Why? On, I do not want a giant buddy crazy. Right on our new end table. No. Yeah. That'd look sharp. No, we're not. No. Uh, I don't want like a six foot tall Jesus standing around. Trying to spice it up in here. Trying to make more surfaces. <laughs> and covering them with six foot tall statues? Yes. Yeah. I don't think there's enough art in here. Okay. <laughs> not enough Jesus art anyway. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> anywho. I like the disclaimer. They have to have the big disclaimer that don't take this movie too seriously, and then it talks about a platypus for a while. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess the, the biggest opponent of this movie was for over a year had never seen this movie, and then eventually sent a letter to Kevin Smith and wanted to set up a private screening so he could he could argue against the movie intelligently. And then Kevin Smith's well, like, so what's he been doing for the last year? <laughs> Well, he went out and protested the movie with a bunch of protesters, and they didn't recognize him, they didn't know who he was. Yeah. Oh, really? Because all of these, yeah, Catholic protesters were really mad about the movie, and he went out and he's like, yeah, fuck Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone actually did an interview with him yeah. in the crowd at that thing. Oh, yeah? to be someone else. Cool. He used uh, his friend's name. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Because, yeah, there was a lot of stuff about this movie when it came out. Yes. It was in the media for a long time. Yeah, people, like, Catholic groups were not happy about it. Well, I don't even think it's that bad, though. That's what I don't get. It's not. It's They, they saw they saw that as a comedy that features uh, Christian mythology, and they're like, I don't like this. You can't call it mythology. Atlantis will get pissed off. Well, I mean, Atlantis isn't really God. Uh, or maybe she is. Pretty close. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do... I do she is my favorite depiction of God in film. Yeah, I think she's mine too, actually. She was really good. Yeah. Because she's, like, stern, but she's she's still happy. Yeah. Well, I liked what Kevin Smith said about her. Because he was like, there's a Zen Buddhist serenity to Alanis that calls to mind something otherworldly. She's definitely ethereal in nature, even when not speaking. And she car- carries an air about her that plays into the role. So he was, like, pretty excited to get Alanis. Yeah. But also... Kevin Smith just kind of has a boner for everything Canadian. Yeah. Like, he bought Degrassi. Yeah, I think we talked about this before. He owns yeah. the rights to everything Degrassi. He just loves <laughs> Canada. He's a big fan. Pretty sure he's responsible for the next generation existing. Like, I could see them getting mad about Jay and Silent Bob being prophets. That's a little <laughs> ridiculous. Well, I mean... Maybe Silent Bob, he's a little less horrible. They're less. They're not. They're not prophets in the same way as like Moses. They're. They're more like bodyguards. They protect Bethany. They're not preaching the word. Yeah. No one wants <laughs> to hear that. But they really hand the angels' asses to them on the train. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes the whole end sequence kind of weird. <laughs> no ticket. Silent, <laughs> Silent Bob handles two angels all by himself, and then at the end, they're all afraid. Like, what changed? Yeah. True. That's right. He grabbed them both on the train and threw them off. <laughs> they weren't doing any anything to defend themselves. Like, like Kevin Smith is just way too strong for them. Yeah. But then you get to the end of the movie and they he won't do anything. He carries Bethany back. Okay, but in the original script there was supposed to be a big fight between him and the one, um, the one teenager kid and the the shit monster. 
Bill Gotham? Yeah, he was, oh, supposed yeah. To, he was supposed to come back, and then Jane's, Jay, well, no, Silent Bob defeats him in a whole big thing, and that's how Bethany gets hurt. Because it doesn't really make sense that she gets hurt just from, like, God's light. Well, when God when got, it doesn't hurt. When God got healed or something, it blasted her with a lightning bolt that looked like or something. Is that what Yeah, it but it makes a lot more sense that there was a fight. Yeah. Like, that, that makes more sense. Rather Kevin, than her just having a wound from God escaping her body? Yeah. Her meat suit? Yeah, her meat suit. Going by supernatural terms? <laughs> <laughs> Had you seen this movie already? It's been a, it's been a while since I've seen it. I feel like I saw this in the theater. Like, oh, really? Yeah. See, I got it. I know I saw Jay on Silent Bob Strike back in the theater with my brother and sister, and that was awesome. I had to be my sister's adult. Because <laughs> it was rated R, and... Why was, was it rated like 16, R? Jason um, and the Bob back. Because there's a lot of swearing. If you yeah. say the if you say fuck more than once in a movie, it gets yeah. uh, automatically. Compared to the other two movies we watched of Alan Rickman's, this, the swearing went up tenfold in this lot. Well, because I watched Dogma last, so the other two there's not. Yeah, no. yeah there's there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Galaxy Quest was going to be a PG-13. And you can see in a couple of scenes where they, they remove swear words, like yeah. Sigourney Weaver says, fuck this shit, or fuck this or something at some point, when they're going into the crushers, but yeah. they've clearly changed it to screw this. <laughs> well, if Galaxy Quest wasn't PG-13, I think that would have been a huge mistake. It is, it's PG. They purposely, oh, okay. They purposely edited out curse words so that it would get it. I thought you meant it was, it was going from R to PG-13. No. And I was like, there's no way that could be an R movie. No, Galaxy... Actually, <laughs> no way. Actually, originally it might have been because there was a, a much, much darker cut. Originally, like the original cut of this movie... How is that movie turned dark, I'm afraid? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read the script, but apparently it was going to be really dark and very violent. Huh. Instead of cartoony and, and silly like it ends up being. Yeah. I like it silly. Yeah. It's awesome. But back to Dogma. Yeah. <laughs> back to that. <laughs> Which came out in 99, by the way. I just looked it up. Which one? Dogma. Oh, okay. So Dogma and and uh, Hitchhikers Jones. came out in the same, same year. Yeah. No. Yes. No, because we saw Hitchhikers in the theater in university. I knew you then. Dogma Galaxy Quest. Dogma Galaxy Quest? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hitchhikers okay. 2005 or something. We didn't know Constantino in 1999. No, okay. Fair enough. Our friend, I've never seen anyone laugh so hard in a movie in my life as when we went to the theater to see Hitchhikers. Oh, yeah? He lost it. It's one of those people that everyone else stares at in the theater. He's like, ah! No, it's, more like, it's more like people laugh along with him. Yeah. Yeah, he laughs and then they laugh. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> he was so excited about that movie. I like how uh, uh, Loki and Bartleby kind of change roles by the end of the movie. Yeah. At the beginning, Loki just hates people. Wants to go on a killing spree. Yeah, and Bartleby is like, why do you even mess with these people? Why bother? And then by the end of the movie, Loki's like... I'm not gonna let you destroy the world, man. I'm not gonna let you do it. Yeah. Barnaby's like, just fuck it, man. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trapped here for hundreds of years. Fuck God. Fuck creation. Just the hell with everything. Well, and I think part of that, like I said when we were watching it, is because he's a watcher. Yeah. He just sits and watches, and he gets to watch everyone else go on with their lives and go to heaven and have regular lives, and he doesn't ever get that, so... 
by the end of it, when he realizes that he can't screw over God and walk through there and everything will be fine, he's just like, well, fuck it then, I'm just gonna take everyone else out. <laughs> yeah. I'm over it. Whereas I think Loki likes his job, but he liked doing his job as his job, which like, wasn't to just kill everyone. Yeah. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Plus, at the end, Loki is, by the time he stands up to him, like, really stands up to him, he's cut his wings off. He's human again. He has, True, yeah. He has empathy. Like, the thing the thing about the angels in this movie is that they don't, they don't have emotions. They're, they're totally lacking free will. They can only do what they're told to do. Like how they identify the angels in this? They're all wearing a t-shirt, a hoodie, and a jacket. And the hoodie is supposed to be their halo. Yeah, the hood around their <laughs> and neck. And the jacket the, uh, hides their wings. Yeah, that that was clever about the the hoodie. I never I never thought about that. Yeah, it's funny because yeah, they all look the same. Because I was thinking that when I was watching it, like Bartleby and Loki, their outfits are reversed. So one has a gray t-shirt and burgundy hoodie, and the other one has a burgundy t-shirt and gray hoodie. I never even noticed that. Yeah, I'm an art teacher. Yeah. Well, I'm Kevin. Smith. <laughs> Kevin Smith is a, uh, a very attention de- to detail director. That's something that he would put in there. Identify with the, the characters. Yeah, and big rubber prosthetics to show that you don't have any junk. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I, I made a note here. I forgot about it. I didn't. I didn't catch the immediate beginning of the the movie when we watched it this time, so I didn't make a note right away. But I made a a follow up note that the homeless man is is central to the plot. At first, you're like, what the what the hell does this scene even have to do with anything? It's just a bunch of teenagers beating up an old guy on the boardwalk. Yeah, and it, I guess at first you you might be thinking, okay, so these these kids are clearly evil, but there's still no context for why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, it just hints at it through. What's that? It just hints at it through the movie. Keeps yeah. reminding you of that guy. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's clever. That's how you do a twist properly. You, you give hints without shoving it right in people's faces. Proper twisting one hundred and one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a good writer. Yeah. And he knows. He clearly knows what. He doesn't do, like, he was talking about if he ever directed, like, a Batman movie or something, he'd be the worst at it because all of the action happens off screen in every movie he does. Like, every time they're beating someone up or someone's getting hurt, like, you don't ever see it. Yeah. Ever. And well, a lot of time you just see people's reactions to that thing that's happening that you just hear noises for. I pointed that out during the Golgothan sequence because you yeah. don't see anything. It's just all reaction shots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the gang members charge at it and you don't see anything. It's just, it's just like everyone going, oh, Jay and Silent Bob and the Muse standing back going, what? It's awesome. Like classic Kevin Smith action sequence. <laughs> yeah. I like that uh, Kevin Smith told Jason Muse he had to like step up his acting. Yeah. For this one. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He said, I really impressed upon him that he had to be prepared for this movie. There are real actors in this one. Muse then memorized the entire screenplay because he didn't want to piss off that Rickman dude. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, there are real actors in this one. <laughs> but I mean, really, like, the other movies were pretty much just done with them. Like, it's all their friends yeah. who are also in this. Yeah. Right? Like, Jason Lee and yeah, but he all those other people that this, I This This movie he wrote, like, right way before it was actually made, but he's like, I, I want to do it right. So he put it on the shelf for years. Yeah. Because he's like, I need a budget, I need to be able to do the effects properly, and I need to be able to hire real actors. I know, and then you forget that they're really good friends with... Matt Damon and... 
Yeah. yeah. Ben Affleck. That they just, they, that those guys only exist because of Kevin Smith, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason they're really famous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> really, when you think about it, you're yeah. like, wow, those guys are huge now. <laughs> huge! Yeah. Batman and a guy who NASA is constantly having to rescue from space. Yeah, he really does have to get rescued a lot. <laughs> America has spent a lot of money rescuing Matt Damon from space. <laughs> I like that, uh, Bethany is not impressed by Metatron at all. He shows up as the as like a pillar of fire and yeah. gets her fire extinguisher and puts him out. Him <laughs> you, you spray everyone you meet with with fire retarded chemicals. What are you? I'm pissed off, is what I am. Do you go around drenching everybody that comes into your room with flame retardant chemicals? No wonder you're single. I would if they came into my house flaming. Yeah, if you showed up at my house as a flaming ball of fire, I probably would. Yeah, exactly. And then I'd be like, oh my god, it's Alan Rickman. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it sets her up pretty well. Oh yeah. As being a character who's self-sufficient and kind of over it. Like, she's just over everything. And it's she like, is whatever, a- I'm going to put you out, get out of here if you're going to be on fire. She is extremely cynical. Yeah, she really she's is. She's not having any of it. But she has a reason for that. I, I like that they give her a reason for losing her faith. And it's one that the audience can get behind. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. For sure. Even if the actress was horrible to work with. Yeah. Was she? Apparently, yeah. She just yeah, wouldn't yeah. talk to Kevin Smith for, like, weeks on end, and he wishes he had hired Selma Hayek for that role instead. Yeah. Because he hated working with uh, he also Linda said Fiorentino. On the thing that I read, he said Janine Garofalo as an option, too. Yeah, and Gillian Anderson was number one, but she was like, hell no. Yeah. I'm not doing that what? movie. Now yeah. Rickman was in it, though. I know. <laughs> and George Carlin. I wish there was more of George in it. Yeah. Yeah, more George. I wish there was more George in everything. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, he had to leave us too. That's horrible. Yeah. He was great. So why wouldn't he just get rid of her then? I like they, well, they already back filmed to the it. Future. Yeah. Remember they fired that Eric Stoltz because he was. Yeah, I don't think they had Back to the Future money though. I don't think Viewskew has the no. money to. No, to just back out of contracts yeah. and fight them in the court. At least they didn't then. They yeah. might now. Probably not. They're still pretty small, but I mean... Like, Kevin Smith is well-off, but not, like, universal well-off. Like, yeah. I don't have universal money. He's not Miramax. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Who am I, a Weinstein? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I didn't realize that there's a story in the Bible or something about a golden cow that was idolized falsely. No? No! I didn't realize that's where a freaking movie came from. You've never heard the story of the golden calf? No! Well, I... Yeah, you, Okay, I guess that's unfair of me because I'm Dylan went to Catholic went school. To Catholic school. <laughs> Sarah went to public school. Yes, yeah. I went to public school too. So, so you you don't know either. Okay, no. I guess that's what's fair. the Bible thing you're talking about? What's that? What's the Bible? Tell the story. Oh, uh, I can't right now. It's been so long. <laughs> just, just it. Give us a gist. Well, people were worshiping a golden calf, and then they were smoked. They were smoked, smoted. <laughs> because they were worshiping. False idols. Oh. It, Which it is what those dudes were doing, right? Yeah. It's it relates to the Ten Commandments, basically. Yeah. The first commandment, as Loki points out. Well, yeah, because, like you said, you can overlook the small stuff, but the big ones... Yeah. The big, ones, the the big, big ones, ones never change. Yeah. The big ones are always in fashion or something like that. Well, yeah, because, I mean, murder is always going to be a shitty thing to do. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to wear, like, micro-blends... It's gonna happen. Yeah. I, uh, I'll eat beef on Friday. 
That movie, though. Uh, Loki uh, was going to go overboard at uh, movie, though. He was going to kill that one woman just because she didn't say bless you when he sneezed. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he kind of got in a roll there. Yeah, he. They both, they both have a hard time stopping once they get started. It seems like. Yeah. Because Bartleby too, like like I mentioned, once he starts killing, he has a he does not stop until everyone around is dead. And Loki only stopped stopped killing that one girl because he was called away by Bartleby. Yeah, otherwise You're, she was dead. Yeah, you're a genuinely good person, <laughs> but you didn't say bless me bless you when you, I sneezed. It's ridiculous. I'm curious. Um, so it seemed like at the end that Bartleby was forgiven, and God allowed him back into heaven. Do you think she also did the same for Loki? Or is he stuck in hell? I don't know. Good question. Because he killed a lot of people without being forgiven. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't even... I'm not even totally convinced that she let him into heaven. That, yeah. he's just, that she just let him die? Yeah. I'm not sure what went on with that. It's not very clear. No. All we know but, is... Uh, but he did say thank you. Head, right? He yeah. did say thank you before his head exploded. That's true. So I'm assuming she let him into heaven, but I mean, just being free of humanity might be enough for him. Maybe, yeah. Although Azriel seemed to imply that uh, hell is not a very nice place. <laughs> Wouldn't imagine it would be. No, even for a demon, hell is not a good place. <laughs> he didn't want to go back. He'd, he'd rather end the universe than go back to hell as a demon. Yeah. Someone who's in charge down there. So that tells you how bad hell must be. Yeah. Maybe it's just the heat. I don't know, like, they don't tell us that hell is necessarily hot. No, that's true. Like, it might not necessarily be, like, classical depictions of hell are more cold. Like, uh, I heard it explained once that hell is the, is being removed from the sight of God and knowing it. Knowing that he doesn't care about you anymore. Uh oh. So it's not necessarily, like, that is your, your punishment. I don't know if that's what most Christians believe, but I, I would prefer that to be the case. If I'm gonna go to hell, I'd rather I not be tortured. I'm not gonna argue with you because you went to Catholic school. <laughs> I don't even remember where I heard that. It might not have been a, a, even a Christian that told me that. No. <laughs> I wonder where the uh, whole hell being hot came from. Uh, probably from art. Yeah. You know, hot as hell. Yeah, tor and torment is being exposed to heat, right? Like. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm no theology major, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I like that uh, as misogynistic as, as Jay is, even he acknowledges that women should have uh, control over their own body with regard to abortion. True. Like, Jay is the worst misogynist. He's always, he's always like, disrespecting women, but uh, even he thinks that men have no place controlling women's reproductive <laughs> rights. So take note, Republicans. Follow <laughs> <laughs> Jason Mew's example. No, not Jason Mewes. I don't think he'd like being... No. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not Jay. Well, because it's funny, because Jay and Silent Bob are totally opposite in real life. Like, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith. Jason Mewes never talks. He's yeah, super he's shy quiet. and Is quiet. He, yeah. Oh, yeah, he hardly says a word. And Kevin Smith never shuts up. It's awesome Even... when you watch them on, like, an evening with Kevin Smith. It's total reversal. Oh, yeah? Oh, Even yeah. when Kevin Smith is very high, he talks a lot. He was on Getting Dug with High once, with uh, Brian Posehn, and they smoked a lot, and he, he I'm pretty sure, talked the most. <laughs> yeah, he's just a... And when they were talking about him, he was guy. like, so, I guess, why am I even here? <laughs> like, jokingly, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, even when he was on, he was on The Talking Dead that one time, too, he was... Oh, yeah. 
It was oh yeah, he's very, he's very chatty fellow. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he does whole nights where he just goes to colleges and gets get topics or three hours. questions from people and just talks. Yeah. Yeah. Eh? He doesn't answer the question. Love to go to one of those. <laughs> Sometimes he does, though. <laughs> Usually, the question just reminds him of a story, and he'll start. He'll tell the story, but not really answer the question. That was directly. him, right? With uh, the mechanical spider. The wild. Uh, Wicked Wicked Wild, Wicked Wild West? Yeah, but he he was supposed to direct something else. Uh, Spider-Man. Or no, Superman. Superman, yeah. He was supposed to direct a Superman movie, and... They really wanted a mechanical spider. Yeah, they kept fighting with him, like, all this really dumb stuff, and <laughs> oh, yeah. it never happened, and then the next movie that that director came out with was uh, Wild Wild West with the big mechanical spider. <laughs> Which was a terrible movie. <laughs> What was so important to having a mechanical spider? I don't know. Dude just wanted a mechanical spider. Like it was a studio that. exec, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He got it. Yeah, he got and what he wanted for in the movie flux. That's what I don't understand. These studio guys, these make, they make these huge mistakes. Yeah. But they don't take the blame for it. It's the, it's the people who are creatively making the movie that get the shit for it. Yeah. That guy probably still had his job after that. <laughs> after well, a while. No doubt. They never get spider. fired for anything. No. Not unless it's major. It'd have to be like really major. Yeah, like uh, leaking those Sony emails. <laughs> yeah, along those lines. <laughs> yeah. Someone got fired over that, I'm sure. <laughs> yep, someone must have. <laughs> so before we leave Kevin Smith, he wrote something awesome the day that Alan Rickman passed away. And he said, um, One of my favorite people who ever lived has died. The legendary Alan Rickman played Metatron, the voice of God, in my fourth film, Dogma. I didn't realize it was only his fourth. Alan was the first non-friend who signed up to the flick, but he became a great friend in record time. In this pic, he holds the Ken doll, his Dogma character's lack of genitalia was modeled after. So it's him with his pants down, <laughs> with a Ken doll in his hands. I'll never forget his incredible dulcet tones guffawing at the rubber crotch makeup he was wearing. <laughs> One of the greatest actors who ever lived, tickled by a cinematic lack of dick. I loved Hans Gruber the minute I saw Die Hard, but I fell in love with the soft-spoken, gentle soul who brought Gruber to life. Thank you for lending a hack like me your artistry and your credibility, Alan. You were never Snape to me as much as you were the adult Harry Potter himself, a bona fide wizard who could conjure absolute magic using merely words. He was a huge cauldron of wind, this man. I'll miss him forever. Rest in peace, voice of God. Go back to heaven where you came from. Hmm. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I just love it. That's pretty cool they got him to sign on. Yeah. Be, yeah. Well, yeah. You'd be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was just trying. I didn't think he actually would, but okay. Yeah, it's like yeah. trying to get Sean Connery in your movie. It's probably going to not happen, but... Yeah. You got to try. You may as well try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I made a... <laughs> <coughs> During the movie sequence, Loki Loki is threatening the guy of the like the head of the place with the voodoo doll. They yeah. made. <laughs> At the end, he smashes it. He's like, "I don't believe in voodoo." <laughs> just freaks the guy right in. Just just another thing that movie like uh, Loki likes to fuck with people. Yeah. Should we move to the next movie? I mean, we can, but I still got more. We didn't even talk about the whole movie, really. I know, but I thought we we're just sticking to more like Alan Rickman stuff. Well, I guess. We don't have to. <laughs> it's just we're just half an hour in, I'm just saying. Okay. okay. We can move <laughs> wow. on to Galaxy Quest. We are half an hour in. Holy shit. We're really motoring. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so buy Grabthar's hammer. We'll do a Kevin Smith one another time. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll spend more time on them? Yeah. Yeah, Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. 
Actually, a lot of Star Star Trek fans really like it. At a convention, it was uh, included as a write-in vote, as for uh, uh, ranking the the fans' favorite Star Trek episodes, and it's ranked number seven. Uh, what uh, is uh, Galaxy Quest is number seven on the How Star Star Trek favorite movies list. I'm gonna be on a Star Trek favorite movies list. It's not a Star Trek movie. Because fans consider it a Star Trek movie. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I disagree. Those Star Trek fans don't know what the fuck they're talking about then. Okay, you can tell the Star Trek fans. It's in space. Well, I'm a Star Trek fan. That doesn't make <laughs> sense. I like this movie also. But it's okay. not a Star Trek movie. I don't... I don't Just care. conform. <laughs> not conforming. That doesn't even make sense. It's not... There's no one from Star Trek. There's nothing from Star they're Trek on it. in space and they have a on. And they have suits on. Uh... Like, a lot of it is taken from real-life stuff that, like, Star Wars... Oh, clearly. Like, the, the whole thing in the bathroom with but like, Jason Nesbitt? Is just it a, second. a movie? Just a second. Like, the the whole bit in the bathroom where Jason Nesbitt starts quest- questioning himself, like, okay, people actually love this, but I'm being a complete asshole. That actually happened to... Shatner. Shatner in, in a bathroom at a con. That actual thing actually happened to him. No, and that's cool. I get that. I mean, they mirrored him... Throughout the whole thing, they stole the ship, that everything. Rock, that rock monster, too, is an, is an idea he had for the Star Trek movie that he that he directed. Who? Mr. Shatner. That rock monster in Galaxy Quest was uh, an idea that he had to put in his... Shatner had to put in his Star Trek movie, but couldn't afford it. Yeah, but it's still not a Star Trek movie. No, I know it isn't, but that doesn't mean the fans can't appreciate it that way. <laughs> You're not buying it? Mm-mm, not at all. You don't control the fandom, Sarah. It is what? Number well, I don't believe on. that the whole fandom thinks that's a Star Trek movie. I didn't say the whole fandom. I said a group at one con voted it the seventh best Star Trek movie. I mean, I guess I'd, I'd give it to them over some of the crap Star Trek movies they've made. Like five? V'ger? Oh, yeah. No one should watch that. <laughs> and, I mean, the, and the new one? The Next Generation ones? So watch Star Trek Six and Star Trek Four and Star Trek Two, and you're good. Yeah. The, the even number Treks. <laughs> well, and and you remember the in Star Trek Six, the Klingon with the metal patch on his eye. That's uh, Ceres. He, he has the same metal eye patch. It's a direct reference to that character. Oh yeah, this whole <laughs> thing is just references. It's just reference after reference to Star Trek. So a lot of fans consider it Star Trek just because it it's so similar to it because it purposely tries to be. I wonder if people who play Klingons are like if Michael Dorn is pissed off. As Alan Rickman is in this movie. <laughs> About having to wear the makeup all the time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I didn't notice at the time, but Alan Rickman is wearing that thing the entire movie. Oh, it's, I know. There's, there's no point in the movie where it's off. So Even I think it's funny, he's... like, he shows up to Comic-Cons. I was wondering that when we were watching the movie. I'm like, how many of those prosthetics must he have made lying around? Yeah. Excuse me. Like, Just a lot. Because they're ha- they'd ha- he wears them in every scene. Like, even when he's on the phone talking to Tani, he's at his house, the yeah, con is over, and he's still got yeah. his head. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he hates it, but he lives it. <laughs> well, it would take a long time to take that off, right? You're not going to take that off before you get in the car and drive home. Well, uh, the makeup people, I imagine, would. I don't think he has makeup people. So, so making $15 an autograph, I'm pretty sure he figured that shit out on his own. $15 an autograph can add up pretty quick. Not to, I can afford a makeup person to be at my house every day money. Not at his house every day, but just at the con to take, to put the thing on and take it off. Yeah, but it's not cons. He's at, like, 
store openings and like they're like bottom of the barrel at this point like no one cares right but i mean 15 dollars an hour like if if you get lines like we had at fan expo 15 bucks an hour that's gonna add up fast yeah but we're 15 dollars like, an autograph a living wage not well yeah they they'll be able to live on it i would easily be able to live on it because <laughs> you think about it you can if you stop and chat to people for extended periods of time you're still gonna do like at least a dozen autographs an hour 12 times 15, you're still making pretty good money an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he doesn't do this every day. That's no. what I'm saying. Living wage. Like, yeah. Like, he lives in a shitty apartment. Dude does not have a lot of cash going on. He's doing that makeup himself. Yeah, Nesbitt. Nesbitt's the one that makes all the money. Clearly from his house. The glass, uh... Yeah. Yeah, the, the glass mansion. Well, and Sigourney seemed pretty well off, too. Yeah. Like, she had a nice apartment. Yeah, but it seemed like Rickman got... Uh, what was his character's name again? Da Alexander Dane? I don't know. He ended up doing nothing else, it seemed like. He got typecast. Which is exactly what Rickman was afraid of with playing yeah. Hans Gruber in, in Die Hard. Pretty sure this whole time I just refer to them as Sigourney, in Rickman, and Tim the Toolman. <laughs> Tim the Toolman? That's what you wrote? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's who he is to me. What about Tony Shalhoub? Who is he? Um, was he on Seinfeld? No. What was he on? Wings. Was he a taxi guy? Yeah, he was a taxi driver on Wings. Yeah, on Wings. Yeah, that's who I think of. But I don't know that character's name. So it's just like, no-name guy I can't on remember. that show. I can't remember what his name was on that show. It's been too long since I've watched it. I know, it. it's been a long time since Wings. I've seen him in something else too, but I can't think of what it is now. He was on a, he had Monk? his own show called Monk for a long time. Where he was like, uh, he was like a detective, but he had a lot of character quirks. No, that wasn't it. He had OCD. I don't know. It was, uh, oh, okay, I know what it is. The Too Big to Fail it was uh, about the financial crisis. Oh, okay. He played a CEO. I like the, I, I'm pretty sure that he's, his character is high this entire movie. <laughs> Just from the way he acts the entire movie, like, he doesn't react negatively to the being teleported at all. He's the only one that's like, whoa, yeah, that was something. Everyone else is freaking right out. Yeah. Especially Guy. Oh, yeah. Can I, can I just say that Sam Rockwell is probably the funniest person I've ever seen in film. He takes, like... <laughs> he takes a role that should just be, like, you know, a background guy, and he steals scenes with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole... When they get to that alien oh, planet... that's my favorite part of the, the whole movie. <laughs> hey, don't open that! It's an alien planet! Is there air? You don't know! <laughs> like, I like, too, when they were... Like, yeah, Sigourney's like, let's get out of here before one of these small things kills Guy. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I didn't notice too, but like, he's he's worried the entire movie that he's gonna get killed because he's the red shirt. Yeah. But at in that end sequence when Sarah shoots everybody on the on the bridge, he's the only one that that doesn't get shot. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I never noticed that. <laughs> me either. No, but I didn't even notice that we were watching it. No, me either. I read it after the fact. Oh, like, that's uh, crazy. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, because he's totally the red shirt. But then Tony Shalhoub tells him, like, no, maybe you're just the comic relief. You don't want to be the maybe, red shirt. Maybe you're just the plucky comic relief. Yeah. Plucky. <laughs> and then when they remake the series... And they, they put him on it. it. Yeah, they put him in, they make the <laughs> series regular, and he uses his real name. That's the best. <laughs> At introducing Guy as Guy. <laughs> And Tony Shalhoub's alien girlfriend joins the cast, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, no, that's not right. <laughs> the tentacles come They just had her name as, what, Jane Doe or something? Yeah. yeah. Jane Doe as, yeah. Yeah. 
as her actual alien name. Yeah. Lady Lepre or something was, like that. Yeah. I can't even pronounce it. I don't know. It's, it's a bunch of L's and I's. I don't know. <laughs> I, I made a note that I would Can hate the teleporters and, and I made a note that everyone would hate the tele. I would hate the teleporters and I agree. Everyone on the movie agrees with me except for Tony Shalhoub's character, Fred Kwan, <laughs> who's not Asian at all. Although uh, Tony Shalhoub is ethnically Lebanese, so he's like maybe you could you could bullshit it. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's more making fun of the fact that they would cast Europeans as. Asian characters all the time on like during uh, Star Trek's original run not on Star Trek but other shows at the time you follow? well every other race yeah the only people allowed on TV were white actually yeah Star Trek did it too kind of because they did they had uh, the Klingons in the original series were really obviously racist Chinese people well they weren't racist Chinese people they were racist portrayals of Chinese well, people no, yeah. <laughs> racist portrayals <laughs> of yeah. <laughs> super, super racist Asians. <laughs> <laughs> super racist depiction of Asians, okay. <laughs> Even though they had Sulu on there. You'd think he would have raised some noise. How's he going to raise some noise? <laughs> He's probably so happy to just even be cast. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, that was like probably that was the most diverse cast at that time. Hands down. Oh, big time. Not even a question. First interracial kiss on TV ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, that's right, eh? Like, they hired a woman to do a real character and a black woman at that. Oh, yeah. They did awesome things. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of diversity on this cast. I like that Sigourney Weaver just repeats everything the computer says. Yeah, she's, uh, I guess that was a reference to Diana Troy. She's useless. Who just gives out useless information. She's like... You must be afraid. Yeah, thanks. They'd be, they'd be you're threatened. You're not an empath, you're just paying attention. They'd be threatened directly by the aliens, and they'd be like, I sense they're they're aggressive towards us. Yeah, it's very... No, they just fucking told America. us, bitch. Team America. <laughs> yeah. That's probably also what that joke is about. Oh, big time. I didn't realize how much of those Thermians are, like, famous people now. Oh, yeah. Like, Dwight from Office... No, The Office. I was gonna yeah. say Office Space, but it's not right. Yeah, Dwight Schrute is one of the aliens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the head alien is on uh, the, on a show called Veronica Mars. He's yeah, he does a whole bunch of stuff. Hmm. He's uh, actually the the way he speaks was something that he brought to the set with him. That was his own idea. Oh yeah. Yeah, that wasn't direction. I thought that was. I like it when actors bring something extra to the role when they're not just reading the lines, but they're, yeah. they're doing something unique. It really makes them seem alien, especially that laugh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they clearly aren't from around here. (laughs) And I agree with Sigourney Weaver that the person who wrote that episode with the chopper should be shot. Yeah, exactly. That's that's just bad writing. He's from Toronto. (laughs) Oh, is he? Enrico Colantoni. I'm sorry if I messed that up. Yeah, I wasn't even going to try to say his name. I read it earlier, but I wasn't going to try because I am bad with Italian names. <laughs> well, I probably butchered it, so I'm sorry, buddy, but there it is. It sounded good when you said it. Cool. You just have to say it with confidence. Like yeah, Jim. exactly. Just come right out and... Well, and I read a lot of weird last names. Being a teacher? Yeah. Uh, I know. I made note that uh, when they say... When they're explaining what the Omega-13 might be, that uh, speculation that, that uh, Justin Long gives about how it may be... Uh, time travel device, uh, just time enough to fix uh, another mistake. 
Yeah. Is exactly what it's used for at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's actually not bad foreshadowing. <laughs> it's not the best either, because that's like 100% Deus Ex Machina that saves the day, solves all the problems, that gotcha. one button push. Yeah. But, whatever, I forgive it as a comedy. <laughs> Let it slide, eh? Yeah. Oh, I have a note that backs up your uh, Tony Shalhoub is high the whole time. Yeah. When they go to the planet, he's eating those little crackers and cheese out of the little thing, like the little cracker sticks with the fake cheese, like, just <laughs> mowing down. Like, dude, how did you, like, yeah, he's, did you bring snacks he's got, with you? He's got a paper bag that he's carrying around with him the whole time that he's pulling snacks out of. I'm pretty sure he's got a stash in there, too. Yeah, that would make sense. But I was just like, crackers and cheese? Really? <laughs> and just if... You're if, in a whole other galaxy, but cool. Okay. If he's just an idiot... It doesn't work for me as well if he's as if he's high because he shouldn't be able to work the teleporter like he does. Yeah. If he's if he's just an idiot, and I mean they do turn that pig monster inside him. They do, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. And then they use it to teleport the rock monster over. Yeah. That was smart. Yeah. Like, that's not a thing a stupid person would come up with. No. That's something a high person would come up with. Yeah, that's outside the box. That's a high right. person thinking. <laughs> I have an idea. Let's teleport the rock monster over there. Well, they just all have to get, like, used to their jobs. Yeah. Like, when, when the driver scrapes that seat <laughs> oh, across the wall, <laughs> like, really so slowly. It just keeps going. It's like five minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. I might want to go right a little I laugh so hard when I do that. And I like when you see the view and everyone starts leaning yeah. to the side, like, no, don't go that way. It's like, it's like you're playing a video game, you know, when, yeah. you're, when you're steering a racing game. Yeah, and you, you start turning, you lean You start down. doing this thing that no one, no one listening can hear, watch me do? Yeah, you lean into it. You lean yeah. into yeah. the turns, even though you're sitting on a couch and it makes absolutely no difference and your controller doesn't know that you're doing that. No, exactly. Little pieces of the ship are coming off, too. You can yeah. see the phone there. <laughs> Scratch up the paint a little bit. Yeah. I was actually kind of surprised when I looked this up, but it has an extremely high score on Rotten Tomatoes. I was surprised. It's at 90%, which I don't, I'm not used to for comedies. Hmm. Because humor is so subjective that, like, the plot of a movie is usually what they're they're rating, and yeah. comedies don't usually have that good a plot. But this one sits at ninety percent, which is really. But I mean, like you said, if it's based off of Star Trek tropes, yeah, Star Trek is wildly popular. So, yeah. and I mean, it is considering what it is, the plot is fairly solid. Oh, it's a good movie for what it is for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. For what it tries to do, it does it excellently. Uh, coincidentally, this not is a rated R movie. No, <laughs> that would be bad. This was uh, Justin Long's first movie, eh? Was it really? Yeah, this is his first film appearance. I like his character. Yeah. He plays... The, he plays the, the fanboy that they call up, like, we need to know all yeah. the schematics of the ship, uh, and go. That whole scene was funny, because he was saying how, you know, I know it's not real, he's telling Tim Allen's character yeah. that. He goes, no, it's real. Yes, I knew it. He gets I all knew it. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh... I made a note about the end here when the ship crashes. And, like, there's a really low probability that nobody died there. Somebody in the parking lot or someone in the side of the building they smashed it yeah, to they, definitely yeah. dead. They plowed through everything pretty they good. They need a probability drive. Infinite improbability drive? Yeah. Yeah. And they can just turn everyone into yarn and it'll be okay. Didn't turn out so well for the... 
Didn't turn out so well for the whale or the bowl of petunias, though. Not again. <laughs> oh, what's this big round thing coming towards me really quickly? I think I'll call it ground. It's the ground. <laughs> big round thing. They're going to be friends with it's me. It's a big round word. <laughs> they were going to get blown up anyway, though. They were like... They were they were missiles, but then they got... Yeah. They didn't have a good life coming towards them anyway. But they were apparently both sentient. So they both were, had awareness before they died. I don't think the bombs did. You don't know. I, I no, I don't. But I know they had consciousness after they turned into the whale and the. Yeah, we just didn't hear their story previous. That's true. <laughs> fair. That's fair. <laughs> that is fair. I guess we're basically on to hitchhikers now. Eh? Sure. Oh wait, I had one more note uh, from the last one, and it's it's a good one though. Okay. It's, it's Rickman related. Perfect. Because I call the when when he goes crazy after his his little buddy dies. Yeah. His, oh his yeah, that's fan, bad. Yeah. He goes all action, Rickman. <laughs> it just goes crazy on the aliens. He beats them up hand to hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah. And he says his hammer line like by grandpa's hammer. It. Yeah. yeah. I will avenge you. Yeah. <laughs> you will be avenged. That was a good one. Yeah. So that was all. That was the last thing I had. Who is Rapthar? It's his people's god, I guess. I want to know more about this Rapthar. I don't know if and any further information exists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if any further information exists. Lame. You'd have to look up, see if there's maybe like a Galaxy Quest wiki. Okay. <laughs> I think there actually is. There's I a wiki for everything, there probably is. Yeah. Okay, so now we got uh, Hitchhikers? Yep. I, I, my first note is so long, <laughs> so thanks for all the fish. Because I had to. <laughs> that was a really good way to start the movie, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> With the song? Yeah. I'd be really sad if all the dolphins flew away one day into space. Yeah, well, we know and now. And concerned. Yeah. At least concerned. we know if that ever happens, we're screwed. Yeah, that's true. It's game over, man. Yeah. yeah. That's it. It's going to get killed by Vogons. Arthur is literally an everyman in this movie. Yeah, I really love how this movie's filmed. Like, when um, Arthur goes back to his house and it's, you know the world is over, but he's just concerned that his house is getting yeah. bulldozed, bulldozed down yeah. and it... It focuses on the back of him and shows everyone else running away, and then that shadow creeping up. Yeah. And he's still, like, pissed off at his house. Like, no idea that everyone else is fleeing for their lives and that all of these giant spaceships are coming down. Yeah. So it was really cool. Like, I like how everything's revealed through, through him. And I love the sequences for the book. For the guide. Oh, yeah. Like, they're animated yeah, so well, good, yeah. and they're really simple and smooth and bright, like, really pop artish, and you don't have to know how to read. Like, you could just watch that and kind of follow what's happening based on all the illustrations, yeah. which I thought was cool. You know, pre-Babelfish. If you don't have a Babelfish <laughs> yet, you can still... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder if anyone understood that that translator was named after this. I don't think they do, because I read a thing earlier... Where it said that in the movie it's based off of the website. I'm like, that's backwards, it's based off. That was already in the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that existed. Yeah, that website has not been around as long as the book has. Or as long as the radio drama, which preceded that. Oh, the radio drama was before the book? The radio drama was first. And Douglas Adams purposely made them all different. Well, yeah, because people get really mad. Oh, yeah. That they changed this movie from the book, and he had a huge part in it before he died. It was like the last thing he did, I think, was work on this movie. Yeah. Every, everything in this movie that's different was personally approved by Douglas Adams. Oh, so it was different than the book? Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Which is, like, the, the radio drama is the original, the book is different from that, and then the movie is different from that. 
books. I never read the book, so. I haven't read it either, and I'm ashamed. Carla, if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry. <laughs> well, Mackenzie has read the book, and she wanted me to ask you guys. I said, because, I don't know, I never read the book. I thought maybe you might have. I hadn't. If it was different, but I got my answer anyway. Yeah, no, I haven't gotten to that one yet. I watched the, the TV series, which is also different. Oh, yeah? Like, every every version of Hitchhikers is different from what came before. Yeah. And he, does, he did that on purpose, because he's... Like there is no different, definitive version of this story. I believe there was a video game, and it was a little bit different from all. You want to like call? Do you have a question? We could call my dad. For my dad loves this book. Pan Galactic Gargle Blasters are like his favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I grew up thinking that was a normal thing that people would have Pan Galactic Gargle Blasters. No. no. People liked being hit in the head with a gold gold leaf covered brick or whatever it was they said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any specific questions. No, I don't either. But, like... I have a question. Okay. Where do I get one of those Vogon chairs that's the deer with the broken back? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Like, the whole place is totally square, boring, plain, whatever. And then they have this completely ornate, unbelievably sculptural-looking deer crying out in pain, all bent in a U-shape because this Vogon sits on them all day. <laughs> Like, where, where'd that come from? Does Vogon, like, does the Vogon planet have deer? Because all I saw were those weird crabs. Well, I mean, they're not restricted to their own planet. That's true. They're part of a galactic government. So Our I mean, Earth deer don't do that, though. Well, Earth deer would not bend in that way and survive. No. I, it's, not, it's not alive. No, I know. So, like, it probably wasn't originally that shape. It doesn't make sense for an animal to be in a U shape like that. No. With its head, sta- head and ass sticking way up in the air. Body dragging on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's not normal. Uh, I don't believe so. Not really anything in this movie is normal. No, no. It's a good movie though. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna show my kids the movie. I think they'll get a kick out of it. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of, and it's not anything crazy, so they can handle it. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. They do a lot of references. I think they'll like to Marvin too. He's he's cool. I yeah. love Marvin. The uh, original Marvin Marvin is actually like not the original, but from the TV series. The TV miniseries. He's in it uh, when they go to Vogue Sphere. He's in the line that they have to to get into to get sign the paperwork to get tri- trillion out. Yeah. And I guess he was just sitting in a in a warehouse in the B- BBC archive. They found it and they're like, let's fucking use it. <laughs> I like round-headed Marvin. Marvin better. It is a better character design. Yeah. Well, and he just all they have is one line for eyebrows, and it makes him look sad. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's the way they an amazing design. design. There's there's literally a line and two triangles on the whole dude, and he looks really depressed. And it's also the way his head sits on his body. Well, yeah, so it's how he like slinks forward, so he's always like walking around with yeah. his head, head held low. And Which props to Warwick Davis. Apparently that was like two-thirds of his body weight, that suit. That's insane. And the head was the heaviest part. Really, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh man. This guy puts himself through a lot to be in movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because he was... Uh, and he's, like, never seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's... Yeah, he's never... Well, rarely in his own face. He's... He, when he's yeah, go Willow, characters. but... Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in Harry Potter, he's... He's yeah. the witch guy with the, the weird nose, but he's well, also... Oh, yeah, he's got so many guy. prosthetics. But he's also a normal-looking guy, which looks like himself. The glasses. I had no idea he was an Ewok. Yeah. He was really young when until he did I watched the, Until we were watching the show uh, Life's Too Short. I had mm-hmm. no idea. There's a, there's a picture out there of 
he was what, 13 you said at the time? 11, 11? when he worked with uh, Carrie Fisher and she was super nice to him and like giving him chocolate, milk chocolate. And stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, chocolate milk with straws behind logs and stuff in the scenes she was with him in. Yeah. <laughs> and she was always really worried that he was getting too hot or he was going to pass out or something. She, he said working with her was awesome. She hmm. was so nice. <laughs> so that, that, that's a dude with a long career with no one knowing who he really is. Yeah. Because <laughs> like we say, aside from Willow, he's not really in major roles where you see his, his actual face. No, exactly. He's in there, but just covered it's up. Like, it's like Deep Roy. If, if you ever see a movie with a dwarf in it, it's either uh, Deep Roy or Warwick Davis. Yeah. And you can tell which if you have seen enough. Yeah, by the shape of their... The shape their of torsos. them. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know, like, how far into an artificial intelligence program you have to get before robots start getting depressed. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> Why would you give them emotions? Well, what yeah, happened to him <laughs> that would make him that cynical and angry at life? It's probably the, the fact that he's so intelligent, combined with the fact that he's basically a servant. Yeah, they don't really use him for anything he should be used for, that's true. No, he's always talking about how he's like, brain the size of a planet, and they got me fucking guarding the ship. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that would kind of be a bummer. They, they steal his arm to fucking invade the, the bureaucrats. And yeah, then all like, they have to do is fill out paperwork. Yeah. And Trillian's like, Marvin, you've saved our lives! And he goes, I know, wretched, isn't it? <laughs> Dude! <laughs> Why not? The, uh, the whole zooming out thing at the beginning, I, I told oh, Claire about this. Do, do, the do, 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 Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was... <laughs> Did you ever see a movie called Kung Pao? No. There's a movie called Kung Pao, and it's a, an even sillier comedy than this. Oh, infinitely sillier. Yeah. But it's like, there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where he's fighting all these guys, and then there's like, the big boss comes, and then they do that thing where they zoom in on the, yeah. the protagonist, antagonist's face, and... It does it so much, and then it starts zooming in and out of his nipple, and, and all kinds of weird <laughs> things like that. But that uh, that the zooming out thing reminded me of that, yeah, like, really heavily. Especially the sound, because that's almost the same sound they use. Yeah, but it just keeps going. <laughs> you think it's over, and then it just keeps going. Yeah, and it apparently takes a lot of ships to blow up a planet. Apparently, because there was a lot. The whole well, and they go everywhere. Whenever the the Vogons go anywhere, you see a whole mass of those ships going. Which made me wonder if they had a home planet, and then, and then we see that they do. Yeah. <laughs> so hooray for them. <laughs> Where everyone gets hit in the face for having original thoughts. Yeah, which is why their noses are up on the top of their head and squished like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't, I can't tell that crab thing when they first crash on the planet. Is it trying to kill itself, or is it trying to escape? I think it's trying to escape, is... but they're just dumb. Yeah, so it just ends up going in front of the door and getting killed anyway. Because they're all excited when the Vogon opens that hatch, like, yay! And then he crushes one, and they're like, oh! And then they hide. Yeah. yeah. But you think they would just know. Yeah, I, w I wasn't sure if it was just trying to kill itself to free itself from being on this planet, or what? <laughs> I don't think it's that smart. Because it's like acting all happy that the ship is there, and then it goes up to the door, and it like, gets crushed. He doesn't know the door's gonna open there. He knows. It's a crab. How, if it's it knows, a crap. If it knows enough... He has crab powers. If it knows <laughs> enough that the ship might be a potential escape, it probably knows that there's a door. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, maybe he's just excited that people are coming. I don't know. Usually when those things meet people, it seems like, like... I'm assuming Vogons are what they primarily run into, and it doesn't turn out well for them. It seemed like crushing them is game to Vogons. <laughs> I don't know. I never... I didn't understand. It just looked like a game. 
Uh, towel is the most important piece of equipment a hitchhiker can have, for some reason. Well, it's good for all sorts of things. Yeah, they pointed out in one of the commentaries I was listening to today that most deaf, as an actor, explored all the ways that he could possibly use a towel. He, did, he was discovering these new ways that he'd never thought of, and you can see it through the movies, like... He's using it to sweat, wipe sweat. He's using it to try to pry open doors. Yeah. <laughs> like he's all, he's all, he chases Volgons off with them. Run! He's going to tell. <laughs> <laughs> and then he comes scary, back. Scary, scary towel. He comes back and he locks the gate behind him. He's like, go the other way. He's locking it from the other side. <laughs> the gate's like two feet tall. They can reach over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zaphod. Uh, kidnaps himself and steals his own ship. You'd think as the president of the galaxy he could just do that? Good old Sam Rockwell again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, he, like, kills it in this movie. Yeah. He steals every scene he's in, pretty much. Yeah, I forgot how funny he is. Yeah. It's been a while since I've you seen get, him. You get used to seeing him in dramatic things, yeah. and then, then you go see him in a comedy, and he's like, man, this guy's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't he do this all the time? I like how the doors of the Heart of Gold sigh when you go through them. <laughs> With, like, happy size. Yeah. And the voice of the computer is also very chipper and happy. Uh, the mice are also extremely important. Yep. They seem like useless additions. Like, again, like at the beginning of Dogma, why does that scene exist? Why are the mice there? Yeah, exactly. They hint at the mice being more important than they are throughout the movie. Until you get to the end, you don't know what... Well, I, I mean, you see the advanced aliens at the beginning. It's not that hard to piece together. <laughs> But if you if you shut your brain off to this, like a lot of people do at, at silly comedies, yeah, you probably don't see it coming. Probably not. And I I can't remember if I saw it coming when I saw it originally because it's so long ago now. Yeah. Like Sarah said, I don't we think saw this in the theater. Did you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand four, probably. Is that what's coming out? I don't know. Let's check the back of the DVD. I'm guessing. Two thousand five DVD release, so probably two thousand four. Woo! I'm good. See that? Shooting. Yep. All right. Enough for looking at the back of that DVD. Uh, Slardy Barfarst, really silly name. Yes. I guess Douglas Adams just put it in there because he wanted to, he wanted someone to like have to write this filthy sounding name over and over and over and over again. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, and it kept getting rejected, so he kept changing it like one bit at a time until it got accepted. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> wet. Yeah, it sounds like a wet fart. Yeah. <laughs> like slarty? That's not good. It sounds it sounds like a shirt. You don't want anything to be slarty. <laughs> I also made a note that I would shit bricks if I went through that portal. Yeah. That 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 whole thing would be terrifying to me. Yeah, definitely. I don't like <laughs> heights, that thing would freak me right out. The whole the whole fact the whole planet factory. Well not in that tiny little cage. No. Maybe if it was enclosed I'd be cool with it. No, even then, because it wobbles. When they stop, it, like, shakes. No, but I mean, if the whole thing was a lot more, like, a lot more well-constructed, I'd be down. If it was, like, some kind of ship, Track, I, might, maybe, I might be or, down. Yeah. It was some kind of ship that could actually go through, but on a pole does not work for me. <laughs> You're out on that? Yeah. I'm, I vote no. I also made note that Deep Thought must have been uh, really bored while the program was running on Earth. He'd been there alone for how long? What did they say, two million years? Two million years that program would have to run? Oh, I'm not sure. I remember. I thought it was 7.5 million. Oh, maybe. Either, either way. Yeah. Either way. He was in the millions. sitting there a long, long time. Yeah. I love the design. Watching cartoons. Watching cartoons design. on a tiny, tiny little screen. 
Yeah. <laughs> With one eye. Yeah, I wish our computers were shaped like deep thoughts. Where would we keep them? Not that big. <laughs> that shape. Okay. Like a weird little person sitting there thinking. I was going to say, we could maybe fit two of those in a city. Yeah, no. <laughs> I liked uh, when when Ford was zapped by the point of view gun by Zaphod. I thought his impression of Zaphod was great. When who's hit by what? When Ford is shot by Zaphod with the oh. point of view gun. And it, it's fun for a second, and then and it gets real when Trillium shoots him. Shoots yeah. uh, Zaphod. Well, I don't understand how you could be on a ship with that dude for that long. It wasn't that long. It, well, she only a week with that guy is yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I noticed Why? too. Oh, so annoying. It would get so old. Did you notice too that when we are first introduced to her that she's wearing one of his shirts? It's got a third arm on it. That she's got slung over her shoulder. Because <laughs> he's got three arms and an extra head. Which gets removed by Hamakavula, who did not exist in previous versions. This is... The first time Hamakavula has been in the fiction. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And the point of view gun didn't exist either. That whole thing kind of exists just so that they can win at the end. So there could be like a solid conclusion to this uh, uh, film. Because otherwise you just, you have to come up with some way for them to get away from the Vogons. Yeah. And the point of, point of view gun, making them all so too depressed to even stand up, <laughs> is like the, the easiest way to do it. Yeah. But I like that it's a... Uh, uh, a third character that gives them the quest to get that gun. So it's not like they're just going to get it just because. They don't have it just because. Hamakavula sent them to get it because he wants it. It just turns out to work in our hero's advantage by the end. I was really hoping this movie would get a sequel too, but I'm pretty doubtful that's going to happen now. At this you never point. know. You never know. It's been a while. I, I'm not holding out too much hope at this point. Well, he wrote a lot of other books, but I mean... If he's passed away, then it's all in the hands of the estate now, so that would be a whole lot more complicated. Yeah. Uh, I made a note here about the power of love. Oh, yeah. The power of love. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes down to in the end. That's what it all came down to for Arthur. Save the day with the power of love by, yeah. by confessing his love to Trillium, even though she didn't hear it. Well, she heard it, but she was, like, heavily heavily drugged. <laughs> I don't know how much she's going to remember. I'm out of I'm out, I'm out of notes for this one. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I was out of notes a long time ago. Sarah was out of notes half hour ago. Yeah. So shall we wrap up this uh, Alan Alan Rickman adventure? Okay, I think we should end it. So Daniel Radcliffe, who never speaks in public, or very rarely doesn't have a big social media presence, spoke about Alan Rickman when he passed, uh, like Kevin Smith did, and his was really good. So I thought that might be a good way for us to, to end it all. Perfect. Works for me. Okay, so Alan Rickman is undoubtedly one of the greatest actors I will ever work with. He is also one of the loyalest and most supportive people I've ever met in the film industry. He was so encouraging of me both on set and in the years post-Potter. I'm pretty sure he came and saw everything I ever did on stage, both in London and New York. He didn't have to do that. I know other people who've been friends with him for much longer than I have, and they all say, if you call Alan, it doesn't matter where in the world he is, or how busy he is, or what he's doing, he'll get back to you within a day. People create perceptions of actors based on the parts they played, so it might surprise some people to learn that contrary to some of the sterner or downright scary characters he played, Alan was extremely kind, generous, self-depreciating, and funny. And certain things obviously became funnier when delivered in his unmistakable double bass. As an actor, he was one of the first of the adults on Potter to treat me like a peer rather than a child. 
Working with him at such a formative age was incredibly important, and I will carry the lessons he taught me for the rest of my life and career. Film sets and theater stages are all far poorer for the loss of this great actor and man. I so, concur. Uh, we're all bummed to see you go, yeah. Alan Rickman. Yeah. Hopefully he's entertaining somebody somewhere. Yeah. Hopefully. Good night, folks. Good night. Night! This has been Welcome to Planet Bob. If you know any shows or movies you think we should discuss, find me on Twitter, at King of Bob. That's at King underscore of underscore Bob. And Derek, you can find me at Lars M on Twitter, L-A-R-Z-M. And this is Sarah. I'm on Tumblr at Welcome to Planet Bob. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Welcome to Planet Bob. Thanks for listening to our show, and we hope you tune in next week.